Welcome to Ex Libris On Air and the stories behind the stories of today's literature and their authors. A presentation of Ex Libris Publishing, host Steve Jorgensen connects with a writer to share the vision and inspiration behind their works. Insightful, informative, and always entertaining, please welcome host Steve Jorgensen and this week's edition of Ex Libris On Air. Greetings for Ex Libris On Air. This is J. Douglas Barker. Our book today has a provocative title, Threat From Within. And our author who joins me from Las Vegas, Nevada, is Charles F. Lee. Charles, welcome to the program, sir. Thank you, Jay. Pleasure to visit with you. You have uh, penned a book that's three hundred and almost 385 pages in length. Tell my listeners what your book deals with and how you were inspired to write it. Okay, we'll start with my inspiration, okay? Uh, my oldest daughter is a neurologist, and I wanted to write an action thriller that would tap into her field of expertise. Wonderful. But, but unfortunately, uh, I rushed the book into publication before she had a chance uh, you know, to review all the material, particularly medical parts. But afterwards, she said, I did pretty good with, with all the medical, uh, is, uh, medical terms and everything else that were included in the book. So I guess I didn't really fail her too much. You talk in your book about an Eastern European Research Institute. What is that uh, about, and how does that relate to your story? Well, okay. Uh, this Eastern uh, Institute for, for Brain Study in eastern Romania uh, actually started out uh, as, a, as a, a bona fide research uh, institute studying the behavior of adolescents. I guess adolescents cause problems uh, uh, almost in every country. Every country. But, okay. Yes, but during during uh, the the period of of uh, uh, studying the the uh, adolescents' brains, uh, one electronic technician happened to come up with a with a electronic boosted device, whereby he could tap into a cell tower and develop a, a electromagnetic, electromagnetic radiation signal that wrote piggyback on the signal of uh, ordinarily delivered to the telephone. Mm-hmm. When this went through the telephone's processor uh, into the, the teenager's brains, it removed a lot of the teenager's dendrites. Now, these are, are uh, branch-like uh, uh, things in the brains that, uh, that transmit uh, signals and, and what have you. By removing these uh, dendrites of the, of the teenagers, it reduced the teenager to uh, to an adolescent or less than adolescent, usually a childhood area, okay? Uh, and so once this discovery was made, and the reason why the electronic technician did this is because because he got kind of upset over the fact that the townsfolk, teenagers, were hogging the cell phones service all the time, mm-hmm. uh, and they were conversing with their own peers, uh, and instead of uh, instead of their adults or what have you. Uh, so he, he came up with an electronic device in, uh, to kind of test in his own town and discovered what it did to the teenagers in the town. Well, the director of the institute then decided this was one way or one tool that they could perhaps uh, uh, invade the United States 
through the proliferation of cell towers that are arising like mushrooms in this country and use this device to reduce, reduce the, uh, the teenagers' synapses in this country uh, and where they would, were reverted to, to an earlier stage of life. And you can imagine what this would do to the teenagers between the age of, of 12 and 20. Uh, removing this this segment of society, particularly when it when it uh, comes to the military, because where are, are most of the of the young soldiers coming from? It's the age group of seventeen to twenty one. Absolutely is, and you have a fairly vivid imagination. Your story begins in uh, two thousand twelve. You start off by this dialogue. Uh, dozen strange-looking men appeared one day on the main street of a small village tucked away in a narrow Carpathian mountain valley. No one knew where the men came from. It was as if the men appeared out of nowhere. And so your story begins. What is the underlying theme that you are wanting to uh, convey in your in your novel? Okay, the, uh, the underlying theme here uh, is the debate about long-term effects of cell tower and cell phone use is unknown. Uh, and and it, it, it has migrated into, in fact, my hometown uh, came out with an article in, in June of this year where, where uh, the school board was thinking about uh, having two cell towers built behind uh, a couple of the junior high. And the folks in that side said no to that, uh, primarily because, uh, uh, you know, it hasn't been established over a long period of time uh, what damage could be done to a teenagers, particularly teenagers' brains, uh, in, in terms of tumors and this sort of thing. Uh, and they even had a, a, uh, an expert telecommunications person that uh, was local uh, who happened to live uh, close to uh, to the junior high where the school board was considering establishing these or building these two towers. And he, uh, he, he uh, uh, urged the, the school board to give to give uh, the construction of these two cell towers a second thought. Hmm. There has okay, now the, yeah, there have I, been some concerns about that all all across this nation and around the world. Yes. Very topical. You have seven heroes. I'm assuming is how you've portrayed these teenagers that uh, stand up and say, "No, we're going to try something else. We're going to eliminate this threat." Uh, how much action is behind what their story entails? Okay, now I, I uh, brought in the seven teenagers with extraordinary powers, primarily because I wanted to reach as wide an audience as I possibly could, starting with the teenagers right up to the adults. Since the electromagnetic, uh, electromagnetic radiation uh, signal damages more teenagers' brains because their neural pathways are not yet finished, like an adult, Yes. So I brought in the seven teenagers uh, who uh, have these extraordinary powers that, that uh, in the beginning, one of the principal uh, teenagers, Marianne Morgan, demonstrated this uh, uh, at first uh, as an introduction type thing to these teenagers by helping a, a cheerleading squad. Uh, when they were doing a pyramid exercise from, from the top girl collapsing the whole thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and then her neighbor, Bob Everett, uh, also had similar powers. 
Uh, and I demonstrated that by what he did in in uh, stopping a bully, in my say, from from beating up on a uh, uh, say, say a classmate, a weaker classmate. Now, so this was the introduction of their superpowers. Of their superpowers. Now, are they also from the uh, Carpathian Mountain area? Are they? Uh, no, no, no. These are from a midwestern city. Midwestern city. In in this country. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I wanted to introduce because the institute director had sent one of the chosen ones, which were introduced in the beginning of the books as a cho- as a group of people that showed up in that town, and they were there, they were sent there uh, as a as a team that was going to be sent into this country uh, after after the device was tested. Okay, so Bowen, which was the Eastern uh, Romanian agent, you might say, or chosen one, was sent to this country to try out the uh, the device. He went to Midwestern City, and he used the device, and this device at one time uh, created havoc among the teenagers that were on their phones at that time, and and all of a sudden, you know, they, they reverted to an earlier uh, uh, state of life. Uh, and all of these teenagers that were struck by this device were sent to the to the Midwestern City General Hospital and isolated in wards until the the medical people there could could find out what was causing them to to revert to an earlier uh, form of life or your childhood. Right. Uh, you you deal with the uh, topic of telekinetic powers. Also, is this something yes. that you believe in personally, or is this just one of those wonderful uh, fanciful things? Yeah, there, there has been, uh, I have done a lot of research. First of all, I, I am a, uh, my undergraduate degree is in, is in uh, experimental psychology. Wonderful. Okay? So I have that kind of background, and my, my master's degree is in mass communications, okay, was, which is somewhat allied to, uh, to what we're talking about here between, uh, between uh, cell towers and, and cell phones. Yes. Uh, but I decided to, to uh, crank in the telekinesis uh, and, and the mind control and as a form of which these uh, teenagers could use against the sole agent that was sent to America to try out this uh, destructive device. Uh, because because uh, uh, they, of course, had known that uh, what was happening in this mess with some of their teenage classmates uh, and ending up in the isolation wards, uh, a, a team from a team of classmates from this from the same class got together that had uh, unique powers and they formed a group to to track down the one agent that was sent to this country Bowen uh, and they finally tracked him down because the police were were sort of helpless because they didn't know exactly what had caused uh, what happened to the teenagers. It took them a while uh, to try to find out, uh, you know, what was happening through medical uh, CAT scans and, and this sort of thing. Uh, but with the teenagers decided to do something uh, on their own because it was affecting classmates, people of their own age. So, so they got together and they tracked down Bowen, captured him, turned him over to the police, uh, and the police then uh, turned him over to the medical people for testing, and they, they tested his DNA and what have you, and they found out that, that, uh, that in his DNA and his physical size, they found out traits of the Neanderthals and some of their earlier um, um, 
people that lived in that same valley in eastern Romania. Interesting. Interesting okay. concept. Right. And they also find out a, a, a lot of things about, uh, you know, uh, Bowen, uh, where he came from, uh, and that sort of thing. And then uh, the medical people turned, it, turned him over to the, to the military. Okay, and the military was going to send him to Dugway, Utah. Dugway, Utah is is a, is a army base. It's basically involved or was involved in chemical warfare uh, and electronic warfare weapons and you know this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But on the flight between uh, Oklahoma uh, and Dugway, uh, the plane crashes. Due to to an incident uh, generated, you might say, uh, by the the army sergeant that was sent along to guard Bowen, he got a little bit drunk, ordered one of his uh, uh, soldiers that was with him, one of his guards, to to uh, uh, allow Bowen to drink water. Bowen was shackled at that time, right. and he ordered to he ordered this private to release Bowen uh, enough so that he could drink the water. Well, what the, what the sergeant was doing was was trying to was was, was teasing uh, Bowen because he really wanted Bowen to, to do uh, to react to the point where he could pull his forty five and shoot him. Wow! He didn't want he didn't want Bowen to reach Dugway. And the more he drank, uh, the the uh, the harder he got uh, towards uh, you know uh, knocking Bowen or killing Bowen before they reached the destination. Well, he sent this private. The private uh, removed the shackles from uh, from Bowen, but when he did so, Bowen was able to grab the M16 that he had, twist it around his his neck, and shoot the escort, including the sergeant. And at the same time, he because he, he would he he was convinced he would rather die in a plane crash than be captured, interrogated. Is this the one scene that you think maybe a movie producer might read this and go, "Wow, I think well, I can turn that into be, him." It, it involves where the where Bowen escapes, he, he kills his escort, army escort, turns the M sixteen uh, on the pilot and co-pilot uh, and the crew chief, kills them. Uh, but and he gets and he's loose. He's loose now in the air, aircraft. Okay, uh, but the co-pilot was only originally zinged or hurt by a close shot in the head and managed to to raise the nose of the aircraft, and this this caused Bowen, the escaped criminal, uh, you might say, or terrorist, caused him to tumble to the back of the aircraft, and then then the the co-pilot. Nose the aircraft down in a in a flat glide. Now we're in, we're in the wilderness of Colorado, okay, and so the plane impacts on some pine trees and what have you, and breaks apart until it finally hits the ground. Okay, now all the passengers and crew in the forward part of the plane are killed. Bowen is not. Because he's in the tail of their plane, which breaks off, he manages to survive. Okay. Yes. And when he survives, he gathers what what gear he can to to survive. And remember, he's from the mountainous country Mountains. of of eastern Romania. Yeah. One question I do have about the concepts in your book: uh, Is there any concern personally, or do you think any of these might be something that? Could translate or transfer over into the the activities of a terrorist, perhaps. Uh, yes, because I just completed 
I, I say maybe, because I just completed an article that was published where, where I, I have proven or written about where cell towers can be hacked into. Wow. That's number one. We know that. Mm-hmm. They're being hacked to. Hacked it only costs uh, a couple hundred dollars to, to buy a device uh, that uh, allows you to tap in or a person to tap into a cell tower and pick up conversations on ordinary people walking the streets using their telephone. Wow. That's pretty scary. They could, yeah. They could pick up data. Mm-hmm. Or they could pick up data and 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 they could use it for for various purposes, tapping into their banks and what have you. So we know that that that's a possibility. They people can tap into a cell tower. Well, this is a fascinating book and uh, one with lots of action and some great stimulating ideas. The title, The Threat from Within, author Charles F. Lee. Charles, where do we get copies of this book? Okay, you can get it from. Uh, Ebook from Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com or Exlibris.com. Fabulous. And they can do a search under your name and also find out about anything else that may appear in the future. Charles? Uh, yes, you. because because there is a sequel to the first book that is titled The Threat from Within Defeated. Okay, it's in, and it's in that sequel that the threat to this country is defeated. Thank you for sharing the background story and sharing possibly a cautionary tale as well as an adventure thriller. The Threat from Within is the book title, author Charles F. Lee. Thank you, sir, for joining me today. Okay, thank you very much, Jay. For Ex Libris On Air, this is Jay Douglas Barker. Ex Libris returns after these short messages. Hi everybody, this is Pete Six of Beatles and Beyond. Why don't we all come together and hear some of the tracks off the latest Beatles release on this radio station. Why don't you look up the schedules on this radio station and join me and Beatles listeners everywhere to hear these latest releases from the Beatles on Beatles and Beyond with Pete Dix. Welcome back to Ex Libris with your host, Steve Jorgensen. The title of the book, Trailing Sky Six Feathers, One Man's Journey with His Muse, and the author is Ian Prattis, and Ian joins us now on Ex Libris On Air. Hello, Ian. Hello. Great Thank to- you for having me on your show. Well, this is uh, quite a special journey. We're gonna, it's a special love story. It's an exciting adventure. It's also the past meeting the present, or the present meeting the past. Uh, we'll get into the details of, of what that really means and, and your experiences from the past to the present. 
You say it's like Indiana Jones meets the Buddha on a Celestine journey to reverse four centuries of karma. Well, that's an interesting thought. That's very deep to think about four centuries of karma. So tell us what that means to you. Well, what it means to me is that this particular kind of love story over four centuries, which I resisted, I resisted uh, remembering the details. I've got a logical, intellectual, academic mind. And that had to be broken down so that I could trust intuition, trust the experience I was receiving from four First Nation sages who basically tutored me over about 30 years so that I would, I would open up. And it was a past life in the 18th century colliding with a present life, um, mine in this century. And I, I'll be very honest, uh, I was very skeptical. I resisted it until the dots were connecting too tightly and uh, my mind couldn't um, sweep it away. So this past life in the 18th century in uh, Arizona, tell us about who you were there. Um, the, the two, there are two main characters in the book. There's a training sky six feathers. Um, when the reader encounters her in the book, they come across a powerful, relentless woman who transforms my life in reality in the 21st century. But in the 18th century, um, I was married to her, and my name there was Eagle Speaker. And he was my transformation vehicle. And when he died, cradled in her arms in a medicine wheel in 1777, as he takes his last breath, Trailing Sky leans over and whispers very quietly, I will find you, my husband. I will find you. And she did, 231 years later. And uh, I resisted the process of remembering this past life until it was obvious that um, I, I couldn't resist anymore. It's as simple as that. So are you with her today? Well, she, she integrated with me. So, you know, she, she, she and I are kind of a one. Mm -hmm. um, that, that, that was the connection. It wasn't for me to, to sort of, you know, have a nice romance with, <laughs> with a lady who reincarnated into the 21st century. Her energy directly entered um, my being and it enlarged my capacity to be human, to be compassionate, and to be discerning about what was taking place on our planet. Because the, the, the point I, I make with, with the book is to illuminate issues that impact uh, our, the human race for generations. And the book follows my spiritual journey as I travel across the globe throughout the course of two lifetimes. Um, and it's looking at today, you know, the, the darkness of climate change, ecosystem and financial collapse, terrorism, anarchy, and all the rest of it. Uh, my response to that is to awaken spiritually. Because when you awaken spiritually, you can change your mind, and then you can act differently. Because the only thing we can control is our mind. 
Um, so we can either be eaten up by the abyss we're all staring into, or we can choose to awaken spiritually. And here, it seems everyone's waiting for someone else to step up. We're waiting for a Mandela, a Gandhi, or Martin Luther King, but they're gone. So it's it's up to it's up to you, it's up to me to step up and awaken spiritually. And that's what my book, Trailing Sky Six Feathers, is basically all about. Although I was very slow over four centuries to accept what I've just said to you. So this process of remembering, obviously you have your critics about a person talking about his past life. But yes. this is but this to you is just as real as what just as real as you and I talking right now. Absolutely. Um although I I did not used to think that way. Um I was very fortunate to have um mentors. Um Native American mentors, uh steeped in shamanism. And my main mentor was a medicine woman called White Eagle Woman who lives on a reserve in Sault Ste. Marie, or she used to, she has passed away now. I met her, must be about 40 years ago, at an elders gathering, and she called me over and she looked me right in the eyes and she said, I don't like you at all. Oh, <laughs> Which goodness. was quite an introduction. <laughs> yes. But then she said, I've been instructed by my ancestors to train you. And mm. she did. And what she trained me mostly to do was to let go of the strict logic and intellect, which was my forte as a professor, and be open to the intuition, the dream visions, and the, the ceremonies, shamanic ceremonies that she instructed me in. And I was very fortunate to not only have her as a mentor, but I also had three other mentors, which are all described in the book, who assisted me to link the dots um, and to drop my own skepticism. Yeah, some would call you a schizophrenic. <laughs> I'm very, very sane. <laughs> I'm probably the sanest person you would ever meet. Um, <laughs> so you've got you training. Know, you've had training through Native Americans. You've also had training in India. That's right. I, I was uh, recognized as a guru in India, and I was I trained in that tradition. Um, and I, I, there I had incredible teachers and wonderful guidance. So, you know, I'm, I'm well trained in, in different traditions. Um, so I slowly came to, to change my mind, to open it to other possibilities, but otherwise I would not have. So the problems that we face today on the earth, you've mentioned a few, and they are very overwhelming. Uh, most people don't even want to talk about them. That's right, and 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 the thing is, the that's we have so much distraction with all the distraction right. technologies. Right. We don't want to talk about it, um, but in a sense, we have to look at it in a different way. If we can awaken spiritually, we can change our minds. And all that's happened with climate change, most of which is man-made, we simply change our minds and act differently. It's as simple as that. But to awaken spiritually, it takes discipline, it takes time, it takes a, an openness. Um, and people in society at the moment prefer not to really speculate or study deeply 
what is taking place on the planet at the moment, um, they'd rather not think about it at all. So we're staring into the abyss. Mm-hmm. Now, rather than stare into the abyss, what I say is awaken spiritually. So because th- that transforms everything. So your book gives us this love story, this adventure, but at the same time, uh, this journey shows us how to awaken spiritually. Yes, yeah, the, the the steps to take and how there's also a part of the book which looks at uh, the the activism that I'm concerned with in terms of planetary care and. This all really occurred because of the impact from from the past life. This is pushing me into this area. So, well, well, not only claiming that you had a past life, you've also had some very solitary moments in your life where you, you I guess, you have, uh, you know, had that experience where you could really search your soul. Yes, that is that is true. You know, I, I, I spent time in India. I've also spent time in the Canadian wilderness, um, I had exceptional guidance. Uh, really, I was very, very fortunate to have a, such a extraordinary mentors and tutors. Um, and I think what I'm, I'm doing here is trying to reach particular audiences to, to show them, okay, you might think this story is fantastic, but look at the results. Um, and the results are to simplify, live simply, create community wherever you are, and to live differently on the planet. Make different kinds of decisions. Don't be trapped by the distraction technologies that uh, take us away into <laughs> the la-la land. So, you know, I'm trying to reach spiritual seekers, men and feminists, environmentalists, and especially the younger generation, Generation X and Y. I'm really trying to reach them and and show them, okay, things are bad, they could get worse, but here's what you do. Mm -hmm. You're not helpless. There's one thing you control, and that's your mind. So let's move that mind in the direction of spiritual awakening. Then people will act, think differently including our leaders. And all of this journey has healed you, would you say, from very traumatic experiences in your childhood with sexual abuse? Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I suffered from childhood sexual abuse, which I buried very deeply in my mind until I started doing shamanic training, and that unearthed it. And I had the tools from my shamanic mentor to deal with it, handle it, and transform it. Recently, you received recognition for another book that you've written called Failsafe. Tell us about this uh, medal that you were given. Oh, this this was a surprise, because this is a book I wrote a few years ago. It's called Failsafe, Saving the Earth from Ourselves. Um, and it received a silver medal in the environmental nature conservation category from the uh, uh, what was this? what was the awards living now awards and they have a it's a little bit like an Oscar lineup and I'm just in this category and I was very very surprised to, to see that this book was 
um, getting some acknowledgement because it was written a number of years ago. So and I was I was very very happy with that. But that kind of book, you know, I started to write differently after I had this connection. You know, because oh, I was an academic and an anthropologist, a professor of anthropology at Carleton University. So I wrote the usual kind of academic books. But after these experiences, I start to write differently. This book came out after I retired, the failsafe book. And these other books that I have written since, they have a different timbre, a different kind of message, and the, the writing is different. And I think this is this is all due to to the training, and to to my allowing myself to remember clearly, and envelop what was happening, and then go forward, take the steps into spiritual awakening. So you know, I'm a Zen teacher in Ottawa, so I, I pass a lot of this this stuff on to my meditation students. The book feature. But the, sil- the silver medal was a surprise. That was my bonus yesterday. Well, congratulations. The, well, thank you. The book featured in this discussion, Trailing Sky, Six Feathers. Uh, you, already, you already have a screenplay written. We could see it on the big screen. Well, the, the, um, there's, a, there's a screenwriter. Uh, I think it had to be a woman because she saw into what I was doing in a superb way. And she had to put it within a, within a cinematic vision of two hours. And what she did with it was brilliant. You know, you know, they always say the film is never as good as the book. Right. I think it'll be the other way around. The the film will be much better than the book. Um, but we'll see what happens with it. Right. Well, that'll be wonderful. Trailing sky, six feathers, one man's journey with his muse. You also have a book trailer on YouTube. That's right, yes, oh, with the same name. Okay, very good. Just well, training size Six Feathers, just go to YouTube. What's the best way to get your book, Ian? Um, through Amazon, through Barnes & Noble, their websites, also on the Ex Libris website. Well, thank you so much for joining us on Ex Libris On Air. Well, thank you very much for having me. Ex Libris returns after these short messages. Join us for Self-Aid Success Stories with Helen Wu. Wednesday nights at 10, 9 central on toginet.com. Helen Wu was born and raised in San Francisco's Chinatown. And after a very difficult upbringing, fighting depression, abuse, and addictions, she finally finds herself genuinely happy inside and out. Helen believes in taking our positive thinking and doing something positive to achieve a positive outcome. She's here to make a positive difference in your life, to be your game changer, your aha moment mentor. She's ready to help both men and women get into a better place. Helen Wu is also the author of Self-Aid Success Stories, 25 Success Stories from Successful Entrepreneurs. Inspired by Ellen DeGeneres, Helen wants the world to know that just because we find ourselves in a difficult situation doesn't mean we have to stay there. We can aid ourselves to a better life. So join us for Self-Aid Success Stories with Helen Wu. Wednesday nights at 10, 9 central on DougieNet.com. Welcome back to Ex Libris with your host, Steve Jorgensen. 
Greetings for Ex Libris On Air. This is J. Douglas Barker. Our book today is titled, I Prescribe a Positive Vibe. And my author who joins me from Florida is Anthony G. Catalano. Welcome, sir, to the program. Thank you, Jay, and thank you for having us. This is a great-looking book. Uh, I would almost describe it as a book I would be happy to put on my coffee table if I had one and uh, share with people who come through. How would you describe what the content represents? What is this book about? This book contains various messages to deal with family, life, love, religion, hope, inspiration, motivation. I like to call it a mixed bag of good Good vibes for everyone that's out there. It's an easy read, but the messages are are direct, and uh, I I find it to be a tool for many people that struggle with certain things in life, Jay, that get a little uh, uplifted and kind of pick up the pieces and, you know, let's get back in the race sort of effect. And you have a point of reference that dates back to the 80s when you had an industrial accident, which caused some health issues that you are are dealing with on a daily basis. And uh, some of that has inspired you to write this content, hasn't it? It absolutely has, Jay. Uh, for the first 24 years of my life, I was big, strong, strapping, construction type of guy. And for the last 28 and a half, almost 29 years, I've been a C4, C5 quadriplegic. So I've kind of been on both sides of the fence when life was easy and breezy, and now where life has its obstacles and it it takes a lot more work, so to say, in, in ways that people couldn't even fathom or understand unless you live the lifestyle. But my 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 theme to this whole thing is I see a lot of people that are walking up and around, and I probably was a victim of it myself, and, you know, complain about the trivials of life. Oh, it rained today. I couldn't get to the beach. Or, oh, uh, I had a day off, and they called me in. Thank God you're able to do other things if something kind of puts a blemish or changes things for you because it's, it's minimal. Uh, when you have life-altering change, that's when you really got to step up to the plate and and grasp that. And, and I was at a crossroad when I got hurt today. Uh, it was either, you know, Anthony was a very competitive sports type of guy, uh, but, you know, this was the biggest competition of my life, saving my life. Uh, it was easy to, you know, boo-hoo, why me, and all that. And, you know, I was engaged at the time. Life was great. Everything was ahead of me at such a young age. And you never think something so catastrophic could happen in your life. Uh, and so and behold, on a fateful December 2nd, 1985, after lunch, I walked up to the construction site, had to get an air tank, normal procedure, went across a brace that should have had four bolts and only had one, and I went down subsequently three stories. Wow. And I laid there looking up at the sky, and I hear the guys above yelling, you know, man's down, this, that, and the other. I had no pain, and I'm looking up at the sky like, what did I do, break my arms and legs? Lo and behold, not a scratch, but C4, C5 spinal cord injury. Incredible. Share with my listeners some of the way you have approached this in your writing, because it is a positive book, has uh, beautiful photos in it, has uh, reminiscence of family, friends, and uh, of adventure in life. Share the first of the many uh, comments and many observations you've made. Well, it all starts back when 
when after the accident and you, you're, you're readjusting to something where it takes seven days a week, there's no really days off, there's really not a vacation, because you're always confronted with the things that have changed. And the thing I reflect to a lot of times, Jay, picture yourself one day thinking and doing everything as you do, not a, not a qualm, not a, not a disturbance or of any sort, and you're doing everything just as a knee-jerk reaction. And then the next day, you're thinking the same way. You, you, you kind of feel the same, but your body doesn't react. You know, as simple as getting up to get a glass of water or go to the bathroom or answer the doorbell is just a far, far-gone memory anymore. But these are the challenges that had to be addressed. Uh, there were times when I would be angry and upset but it, it was a normal process because, you know, we're all victims when things come and change whatever our walk in life is, um, whether it's minimal, monumental, it, it's a change. And some people just don't know how to adjust as these times come in all of our lives. I mean, when you're 20, you think one way. When you're 30, you think another. When you're 40 and so on. And life is a process. And you've got to adapt as you go along. You're not going to be the same individual mentally, physically, as you process through. So the art of success in living a life as we are as humans, you've got to be in tune with yourself. You've got to know yourself. You've got to know the limitations. You've got to know how far you can take things. And then it will all come together, and you've got to believe in you. Without having that rock inside of your own thoughts, nothing can happen. People can tell you that they understand, they know, and all. Unless you're living whatever your circumstances, people can't really understand it because we all have our own personalities. We all have our ways of adapting or not adapting. So it's a challenge every day, Jay, and I like to think that I out, outdid it in a big way. Uh, I'm a very happy, upbeat guy. I'm very motivated. I talk to a lot of people. And, you know, I've got friends from 40 years ago, Jay, that say, if anybody could have did this, it would have been you. Uh, you know, if there's a war. They still want me to be in the trenches with them. Yeah. And, and that, that says a lot to me, to the character that I was able to have as a young kid or a young man and still have this same demeanor through such a tragedy that, you know, it was life-altering. But it, it's okay. You know, it, instead of why me, it's why not me. Do you have so, a, a passage that you have uh, penned in your book that you could share with the audience to give them an idea of the way you approach life? I absolutely would love to, Jay. Uh, this one is a personal one to me, and on the page is a uh, picture of standing pillars of stone on like this little mountainside and it kind of shows it's kind of haggard but they're still there they're still standing strong and this is the the passage i wrote to it strength and power are your pillars every hour standing firm and tall through every storm pain or call giving it your all standing the test of time no matter how big or how small Rains will drop. I will never give in or stop. This will keep you on top. My pillars will last long. My pillars are 
remain strong. And to me, right there, that is the passage to give every individual the belief, the faith, and the understanding that no matter what change comes in your life or difficulty or loss, because we're all going to be part of that equation. You know, we're all going to be part of loss, change. It's all how you adapt to it and move forward and still have the same focus, the same desires, the same happiness, no matter what it is. I'm not saying things are going to be easy, but you've got to grab it that way or you're going to be depressed. You're going to be down. You're going to be distraught. Uh, and, you know, negativity brings negative things to your being and, and what surrounds you. If you exude positive vibes and, and a great outlook, you know, people gravitate to that and it uplifts you. If you're not on top of your game and you give room to kind of be blasé or nonchalant about any matter, that gives people around you that same door opening. And before you know it, it's a decay within yourself within your surroundings so you can't allow that or tolerate it and it's, it's an unhealthy way to approach things that's why i prescribe a positive vibe is the opposite to people's misfortunes or or things that were struggles that you you can't let that tie you down you and just can't another one of the questions that you have posed in your poetry in your writing has a beautiful sunset uh, on the page, and the question that you begin in your poetry is, what amazes you? What don't you believe? What don't you understand? What dreams do you have? What is the love to you? What are you thankful for? I'm amazed by you. I can't believe I found you. I understand why I have dreams of you. I'm so in love with you. I'm so thankful. I have you. See what I see. I have you. You have me. Very positive words. Anthony, thank you for sharing in your book all of those wonderful reinforcements of, uh, of the positive aspects of life. How would you introduce your book in a couple of sentences to someone and get them interested? I offer this book as a tool and as a motivating piece for people to read as a reminder, as an uplifter, and to focus on the positive way to approach no matter what comes your way. It's, it's the way of living, it's a happier way, and it's a healthier way, Jay. You've done it in 74 pages. Your book is, uh, I think, a little bit unique, not only from your perspective and the way that you have approached it, but do you feel anything about your book is different from what's in the marketplace? Yes, I do. I think uh, I'm pretty broad stream on subject matter. It's not just about one subject or one kind of... Uh, question or, or idea, it, it kind of touches on elements of everything that we all share in life, which is real to every one of us, happiness, love, family, uh, being happy. Uh, so I think this covers in little bit pieces along the way, and every page is a different excerpt and picture. So it's not like a constant theme of this, that, or the other. It's like a, a mixed bag and like, what's on the next page? I mean, what's the next message? And I find a lot of readers like that, and uh, I get a lot of great response from that, Jay, that it is unique in that matter. And they kind of, uh, you know, not every message is for everybody, but there are messages for everybody. 
And again, I would describe it as a book that could be very comfortable on your coffee table to share with anyone that's a visitor in your home or just when you need a pickup. Uh, again, the, the the cover is, is uh, the title is I Prescribe a Positive Vibe, which again indicates the content. Were there challenges in getting this done, Anthony? There were a big challenge, Jay, and I will like to share that with you. And this is how it really all started. When I was, uh, let's say, my tires, which are my... Uh, my buttocks at the time were wearing thin after so many years of sitting, I had to have a surgery. And it kept me in bed eight months out of a, out of a year. Wow. And I had a lot of friends. Yeah, and let me tell you, you know, you do everything from bed, and I do mean everything. And I had friends that were close to me say, Tony, why don't you get on Facebook, at least connect, you can interact and things like that. And I said, eh, it's really not my thing, but I got on there, I connected with old friends, and... It kind of helped the time. And then just out of nowhere, Jay, I started writing these little phrases. And I had such response from the, the readers, friends and, and people that I didn't even know. And they, and they told me, I hope you're writing these things down because you write beautifully. I love the way you convey your messages. And little by whole, I said, you know what? I'm going to do it. So I actually typed from bedside and wrote all these down typing with the left side of my pinky when I was able to face a certain way in bed at the time. Mm. And that's how this first book came to fruition, Jay. And, and since the first book, we've gotten two more out there, and we're prompt to do another one, hopefully be done by the end of the year. Exceptional. This one is titled, I Prescribe a Positive Vibe, my author and visitor from Florida, Anthony G. Catalano. Sir, where can my listeners get copies of your book and connect with you? I would. I'd love to see the the, the listeners come out to Facebook dot, and find me on. The site is Power of Positive Thinking is the way to being happier in life. I still write messages daily there. Uh, I've got a very nice following of almost three thousand wow. on that one site, and I've got my regular Facebook site on the Tony Catalano. That's got a few thousand folks following us there. Uh, the books can be obtained on Amazon.com, uh, Borders.com, BarnesandNoble.com. And if the listeners ever reached out to the websites, they can email me and I will personalize copies. And uh, I will say this, uh, they'll get a better bang for their buck if they went direct through me, but if they go through the other sites, I'm just as thankful. Uh, and the website, of course, they can find us on Exlibris. Uh, com. Fabulous. And Catalano spelled C-A-T-A-L-A-N-O. Let's see. Did I spell that right? C-A-T-A-L-A-N-O. Yes. Thank you, Anthony, Tony, for joining me today and sharing your story. This is a great book and an inspiration. Thank you for sharing it with us today. Thank you so much, Jay. Honored. For Ex Libris On Air, this is Jay Douglas Barker. Join Steve Jorgensen next week at the same time as he explores the passion and the inspiration behind the works of today's authors. Right here on Ex Libris On Air.